God essentially tells Moses, hey, everything that you've done to this point in your life has prepared you for the job that I've got for you now. Who better to negotiate with the Pharaoh than a guy who knows all the policies, all the players? Who better to get my people out of there and get them across the desert than a guy that's been trying to lead sheep for the last 40 years? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Managers that I didn't care for, projects that I wasn't on board with, all those things played into something that would serve me later on. Welcome to the Really Real Podcast with Anson and Kara. Oh, and technically Isaac too, but we all know he's not a real person. No, no, for real. Fun fact, Isaac has just been Anson using a different voice this entire time. Anyway, here's Anson, Kara, and Isaac. <laughs> Welcome to the Really Real Podcast. It's a show where three friends sit down for a drink and some refreshingly honest conversation about real life. Here's what we've got on tap for today's show. First up, need a refill. Kara would like to do a little more reading. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk a little bit about the joys of reading and the frustrations of not reading. <laughs> yes. yeah. Multiverse of Madness. Isaac is walking us through a very high intensity situation. Oh, yes. Man. An animal revolt standoff. Yes. <laughs> Which is going to be just as wild as it sounds. Sounds yes. amazing. In Yelp the World, I'm actually going to be talking about building a computer, which is something Ooh. that uh, I've spent a few nights on over the last week or so. Wow. Much to my joy and chagrin simultaneously. <laughs> so I have excited. some mixed feelings. Yeah. Uh -huh. So I'm going to review that experience. <laughs> yep. And then today for Plus One, we have a special guest joining us, Scott Thompson, who is the director of donor database management for KLRC and for Real FM, is going to be joining us to talk a little bit about vocation, career, how our faith interacts with our work, yeah. and really where our identity is when mm. it comes to work and career. And sometimes we get that a little bit mixed up. Yeah. It's mm. going to be a really good conversation later on in the show. Let's start off with what everybody is drinking today. Kara? What you got over there in that? You got two cups over I have there. two. Oh, yeah, I have my water. Dual wielding. I'm, right, that's right. I always have my water bottle okay. because I'm like a camel. I yeah. don't even know why. That's um, good. That's good. <laughs> and then uh, I've got some fancy tea in here. Mm. It's Harney and Sons, which is a very expensive brand. And it's their, I think you know about this, Isaac, their mm -hmm. hot cinnamon spice oh, yeah. tea. It's very fall Sounds like a very good fall flavor. It's a good it's one. Good. Yeah. Lately, I've been drinking a ton of, I don't know the specific name of them, but they're the Aldi brand. Brand sparkling cranberry apple ciders. Oh, oh so sparkling cranberry. I've never. That apple. sounds yes. like Anson written all Dude, over it. Tell me more. Listen, <laughs> it is a tart sparkling beverage uh -huh. with cranberry and apple in it, and it is the best thing I've ever had. It comes in glass wow. bottles like root beer. It is so insanely good. Anson's Literally like, adding this to. I was just going to say Anson's right now. Texting we, his wife. Bree came home with it, and like it's kind of getting colder outside, and she's like, "Well, do you want any?" So sodas or anything to drink and i'm like well not really i, I want like sparkling water and stuff because yeah. i feel just lighter when yeah. i drink that uh -huh. as opposed to like sodas or something heavier yeah she got me that and like in a day the four pack that i had was gone i just <laughs> almost reflexively i finished one and i was like more like more. i want I more need, tart I need more. tingly spicy water yeah. like that's good it's so good aldi has wow. a surprising amount of really good aldi brand drinks mm -hmm. and yes. stuff yeah. so yes. i have not seen those before that's though, exciting I'm definitely gonna be i'll send you a them. picture of the label when i'm home i have the next installment of anson's beverage journey yes. to update you on here oh man you may remember i've been on a long winding path to coming to eventually <laughs> enjoy LaCroix yes. and other sparkling waters. Yes. The 
next iteration of this. For a while now, my two favorite flavors have been the limoncello, LaCroix, mm, yep. and the key lime. But I'm kind of getting burnt out on them, I think, just a little bit because we've uh, had so many of them in our fridge. Great. That's fair. Yep. I can't believe these words are about to come out of my mouth. <laughs> I'm so ready. But the limoncello and key lime LaCroix lately have been a little too sweet for me. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh yes. my gosh. It's almost like a little bit too much. Wow. He's in a LaCroix. <laughs> All the way to the dark He's side. In. He's just, in. I can't even believe I'm saying those words. <laughs> wow. They're almost a little overpowering. I'm wow. So, I'm the gritty criminal. Yeah. Right He's, now. yeah. <laughs> so lately I've been on the uh, black raspberry LaCroix yeah. and the hibiscus. Those are uh-huh. the two now. Because so, the limoncello and key lime, they're, they're almost just like, I don't even it's know. It's almost a little possible, too much essence of. Exactly. Exactly. We, need to, we need to cue in like you from two years ago. Like, oh, it's it sounds like a suggestion of <laughs> tastes, a lime. Tastes in like this water. TV static. Yeah. In my defense, those memes are all still really funny. They're very funny. <laughs> so, yes, that's, yes, very good. yes, they are. So all right. Proud. What's on repeat this week? Kara, what you listening to? I'm listening to Promise Land by Toby Mac. Yeah, I'm wondering, where's my promise land? This is funny. It's actually almost been an accidental on repeat, as in we're playing it on Real FM and also on our sister station on Mm -hmm. KLRC. Mm -hmm. So I've just been hearing it a lot. Yeah. And lately, like when I hear it, it kind of just has been catching my ear. And I also did a little story behind the song feature on it for our sister station. It's just a very interesting like vibe for Toby. Not his usual. That's true. I'm very drawn to it. It's very real. It's very authentic. Toby's been through some bad stuff in the last few years his family Mm -hmm. and it's been rough and you can kind of hear that reflected in this song there's something about it that i appreciate some of the melancholy down to earth sometimes life is really hard and it and this is what it sounds like and he said when he filmed the music video for this he filmed it in a mining town where his grandfather worked while growing up okay and he said just imagining what life was like for him Mm. every day and how grinding and grueling that must have felt and how there's just times in our Christian life and walk where you kind of go, God, is this it? Is this what you promised? This is the promised land. What is this? This doesn't feel good at all. Through the song, you know, you kind of turn the corner, come to the end and basically Toby's saying, God, you're my promised land. That's the point of all of this life is I'm not home yet. Someday there's going to be actual fulfillment and good and all of this pain is going to be worth it. But in the end, you're my promised land. I don't know. There's just something that draws me in every time I I hear it. Hole Up Wait by Lecrae is my on repeat this week. We're getting into the fall season and the seasonal affective disorder funness of (laughs) it's getting cloudy outside and there's rain. And I think that I have been the last couple of years, I've been very intentional about moving into the season where like Mm -hmm. fall and winter can put you into full on hermit mode. You're Mm -hmm. like, I am not leaving my house anymore. It's Uh, true. And combating that with being intentional with like bringing in good music that's got a good beat to it and being proactive Mm -hmm. and exercising. That's kind of what I'm into right now. Yeah. And Lecrae is always one of the people. Lecrae, Tadashi, No Big Deal are like my holy trinity of (laughs) Ike needs to leave the house today. Like those guys are my boys. They're going to bring the energy. Yeah. So when I saw that we had a new song from him, I was like. That's just going to be what I hear exclusively now. So That's awesome. I love it so much. My on repeat this week is Imagine by Ben Platt. I can't imagine my life without you. This is 
a newer ad on Real FM, and it's basically an 80s style power ballad. It's so good. And I love it. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So funny that like growing up as a 90s and early 2000s kid, the 80s were horrifying right. to us yeah. at totally. that time because anything that's you know about 10 to 15 years before you sure. is, is the worst the worst cringe yeah. right it's like uh, <laughs> the aughts right now basically yes um, that's true but now that i'm older i've really oh, yeah. come back around on 80s music yep. mm-hmm. and i am totally here for this new wave oh yeah literally of 80s music (laughs) and this i mean it totally sounds like an 80s era power ballad yep it's got the piano track the like the soaring vocals can't imagine my life without you i can't imagine one night without you if something happened to you i don't know what i do i can't imagine and it's um, so good i don't even really know what else to say about it other (laughs) than just it's Super boppy. I love these kind of songs that remind me of the people that I love in my life. Mm -hmm. And I'm always here for a good 80s power ballad. Aren't you tired of the same pets everyone else has? Like, come on, we get it. Golden doodles are nice, but you're not impressing anyone here, Jessica. Mommy, look, it's done. Build a Badger is a custom pet creation service utilizing cutting edge technology to create one of nature's more fierce companions. The Badger, known for their ferocious tendencies, their sharp claws, and small but muscular bodies, the Badger will do anything for the human owner it imprints on, so be careful who you let open the box. Mommy, look, it loves me. Wait, stay right there. I don't think it wants you getting close. We know our little Dylan loves his Badger, and it's all he wants to spend time with now. But maybe it's being a little selfish with Dylan, too. Sorry, I can't play, guys. Order now, and we'll include your first pair of steel-reinforced badger-handling gloves for free. Need a refill? What we wish life would pour us a little more of. Another! Right now in life, I would really like a refill of reading. (laughs) I grew up reading books like voraciously. I started reading pretty young. And once I got into a certain space, I was like, bring me all the books. Yeah, I've been that way for a lot of my life. But I feel like the past few years, I have struggled to read. Some of it is like a time and life thing. It's just hard to make space for it. Yeah. But I think some of it, too, is what happened to my attention span. Mm. I feel like <laughs> I have a really hard time Interesting. sitting and focusing on a book yeah. these days. And I don't like that. I yeah. miss it. Reading is such a it adds so much richness to my life. But right now, I feel like both fiction and nonfiction, there's just this big gaping hole. Uh, I don't know mm. in my life. What do you think is contributing to that? Know. Or not sure? I think there's a few things. Now that I'm married, it's just easier to fill up that time yeah, with true. other things. Absolutely. Like it's hard if you're not intentional about it. When you're single, there's a lot of spare time to mm. sit and read. And when you're married, it's kind of like, okay, well, there's always something to do. Yes. There's always something we're doing together and it's harder to carve that time out. But I also think the attention span thing is very real. I know we've talked about, of course, the Internet age has ruined our attention span and all that. Mm -hmm. But I think it's more than that. I think even COVID has messed with our brains, at least with Mm -hmm. mine. It's harder for me to sit still and really like get lost and dive deep into something. Interesting. I don't know why. Yeah. And the other part of this that I think the reason reading is really hard for me is because I have a decision fatigue problem. Mm. I have a too many books problem right now Ah. on my Kindle app. Are you ready for this? There are 354 books and unread 314. Good Lord. Wow. 
Wowzers. That is incredible. You have That's a library. A lot. I have a library yeah. that's sitting here. 114 books. It's yeah, I so have, many uh, books. One unread. Yeah. Right. This is like, ridiculous. Yeah. Like I don't buy a book until I read it. Right? Uh, yeah. Yes. So, yeah. And I'm a multiple books at once person. And that's maybe also part of the yeah, problem. Maybe you need to but, just pick one and do that. Or it's, maybe that I can't, doesn't work though, for you. It's really know. hard. I don't mm. know why. I've tried to do that and I can't. I don't know why. Interesting. I'm a two why. books at a time person. That's good. I have one fiction book and one nonfiction book. Yes. Because sometimes. Sometimes different moods strike me of, yeah. you know, I want to read something to learn something exactly, or I just want to read something to have like a mindless escape. Those are kind of my two modes. Yes. So I feel like as long as I have one of those each, yeah. then that gives me my option. But okay. I feel like if I was trying to read multiple fiction books at the same time. No, I don't. That do, would not work. No. I don't I do mul- really bogged down. No, that's Actually, a good even point. nonfiction books. I think I really need a thing to focus on. Yeah. yeah. I don't do it with fiction. Now that you point that out, that's interesting. I, yeah. But I definitely do it with nonfiction. Sometimes it's a compulsive thing. Like mm-hmm. this thing is wrong in my life. I need to buy a book about it and fix it. And do you read think it. maybe some of it is, okay, here's a book that says it'll fix it. Yeah. Or maybe it doesn't actually make that right. claim, but that's what but we think it'll it help. will do. Right. Uh-huh. And then we get like a couple chapters in yeah. And it hasn't fixed it yet. Yeah. Like it hasn't just yeah. magically made everything yeah. better because that's not, that's not how, how it works. works. Yeah. <laughs> and then maybe there's a little bit of almost subconscious disappointment with that. Yeah. And so it's like, well, okay, then I'm just going to move on to the next one. Right. Yeah. Or that issue drops off your radar a little bit maybe mm. and something else comes up and gotcha. you're like, oh, yeah, well, that's not really as pressing right now as this thing over here. Yeah. And right. so I'm just very easily distracted apparently. Yeah. I feel like one of the side effects of that practice that would have to be discouraging. It is. Is when you finish a book, yeah. like there's something about that experience that I really love of like, mm-hmm. Me too. ah, like this kind of feeling of completeness. Yes. And so if you're not getting there over time, yes. I think that could discourage you from reading right. more just altogether. I yeah. think you're right. I because think you're not getting that like payoff from actually finishing. Them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. That is happening a lot to me. And I think... Lately, I just open up my app and I literally just scroll. Huh. I can't decide yeah. what to land on. Because once you start one, there's always another one that you're like thinking. Exactly. About. Like, exactly. Somehow you've got to like, <laughs> like make some sort of commitment. I feel like I'm like, I'm yeah. going to read this book. Right. And I'm not going to put it down or read right. anything or else switch. until I'm done. With yeah. It. Especially knowing that your time is more limited. Right. Do you think maybe like finding a buddy to pick one of those books and read mm, alongside you? Maybe. Be it Cody or just a friend where it's like, you pick one of these books and let's read it together. Yeah, maybe that's a good a discussion idea. With it. Book buddy. You have a little bit of accountability kind of built in there. Yeah, and... book buddy is good. And that's half the fun a lot of times of reading a good yes. book is being able to discuss it with someone. Get ready for the multiverse of madness. Things are about to get really weird we're about to jump on that ginormous spaceship you want to come we're already kind of looking at the prompts here and getting excited about this <laughs> the concept for this is pretty simple we're in <laughs> we're in an alternate i'm sorry there's something yeah. about that yeah the concept it is simple yeah and con- it's also wild yeah. It's also, yeah if you're if you have a gobbledygook filled brain and you can appreciate absurdity i love it it's a simple concept so good. we're in an alternate timeline uh-huh everything is different right you know. there's a standoff happening at a zoo where i have <laughs> made myself the leader of a meerkat army can i I love that the first <laughs> sentence on our sheet here yeah. that we use as we're preparing for the podcast is yeah. it started at a zoo in Cincinnati. Yes, that is a great <laughs> so setup is, right yeah. there. And OK, sorry. Meerkat yeah. Army. Yeah, 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 you yeah. Said? So again, alternate timeline, different universe, different place, different people, same names. OK, okay. <laughs> it started at a zoo in Cincinnati. Gradually, the meerkats started demonstrating aggressive behavior, <laughs> culminating <laughs> 
In a full-on revolt. Oh, okay. An animal rights activist from Arkansas, that'd be yours truly, has joined the meerkats in the enclosure and is advocating on their behalf. Oh, my god! You're in the enclosure. That's yeah. amazing. I'm like it's like Lorax. a lock-in. Yeah, they're it's like, like, yeah. They're like, you're one of us. Come in. Yes. I'm speaking. You're, you're I'm welcome. Loraxing on behalf yeah. of the meerkats. You've jailed oh yourself. Gosh. Yes. You would. Yes. Fully. A hundred percent. This is an alternate universe, but, but it's, it's still so, Isaac. Relatively yeah. same yeah. vibe. Same. Yeah. <laughs> Anson and Kara, and we can decide who is playing which one on this one, are a law enforcement officer and a park ranger. One is a more (laughs) militaristic approach, wants to use the big guns and tactics to solve the problem. Uh Uh-huh. The other one wants to negotiate lovingly with both the meerkats <laughs> and me in the enclosure. Kara, which one of these which two parts one, is huh? speaking to you? Well, I think I'm probably the park ranger. Yeah, yeah I'm the, the, the pacifist park ranger. Park ranger. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of like the groundwork I'll for bring this. Out the guns. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm going to say I would probably be immediately pretty combative about this. Would you? Because, yeah. like, if I have gone to the trouble of traveling to Cincinnati, yeah. <laughs> And if the meerkats have considered their situation bad enough <laughs> that they're going to full on revolt. Yeah. I think we're already going to be coming in pretty hot with our list of yeah, demands. That's fair. I would say probably a lack of amenities that I would want if I were there, like oh. unlimited chicken tenders every day. <laughs> All right. Um, OK. Maybe like a, a bigger enclosure, maybe like <laughs> the rest of the entire zoo, maybe even full on freedom and emancipation for the meerkats. Letting oh, wow. them just go. We're going going all out let yeah. my meerkats go <laughs> yeah yeah i would be a moses leading them out of the enclosure oh my goodness um yeah i hate to interrupt your list of demands <laughs> but they're meerkats yeah <laughs> A logical first step would be to understand why the revolt is happening, what the demands are. And yeah. right. as a guy who would just like to go home and, <laughs> and punch out at the end of the day, I'm more interested in just resolving the situation as quickly as possible. Right. Uh-huh. And since we're dealing with uh, meerkats, yeah. <laughs> I don't have a problem putting this situation to rest. Okay. Oh, wow. Right. So, okay, now- you know, you want to pull out some heavy weaponry. Maybe threaten the meerkats a little bit. Get them back wow. in line. Obviously, we do have a human individual in there with the meerkats. we yes. got to get him out of there. Right. Because that would look bad if we somehow... <laughs> the optics would yeah, not look right. great. It's yeah. not, not a great situation right. if he goes down that's, with them. No. No, he goes I, down with them. You're already But otherwise... Like, I think that's a little extreme. I think we need to back up here. Right. See the big picture. Okay. That there's a, a human individual involved, as you mentioned, who's very concerned about right. the well-being of said meerkats. For right. some reason. I also have feelings probably they're Do definitely capable of anger at this point i think they, I, I mean it, it appears so like uh, that's a good point you okay. make there and I, I think we have to be considerate of all parties involved and try to come to a, a mutual agreement here i'd also like to point out that while you guys are having your discussion we've started throwing rocks at y'all out in oh, the enclosure okay see, <laughs> see this behavior like this is we this do have emotions tolerated and they're angry <laughs> but you know all behavior makes sense in context so we need to figure out what is causing this uh, revolt. Was it the chicken tenders or was there some sort of an injustice done? Right. This really does feel like one of those TV dramas where they have the hostage situation. Right, 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 right. right, There's like the grisly law enforcement veteran. (laughs) Yes. Let me send my boys in. Yeah, we'll take care of the problem. And then there's like the the mentalist or the like specialist person that like comes in and it's like, no, we can talk him down and we can, I'm going to be like, listen, using the power of love and my special words. Yeah. (laughs) Kara will have like a 
full psych profile right. of me written yes, on Yes, I will. Psych, well, his early profile. exposure to Lion King is why he's here. <laughs> like, he's a big Timon fan. He just fan. loves Timon. Yeah. He just loves so Timon I feel so like much. the appropriate response from the grisly law enforcement guy at this point in the process is, you got 10 minutes. Oh, wow. Okay. So <laughs> right? Like, you go like, The ticking fine. clock is introduced. I'll give yeah. you the ticking fine. clock. You got 10 minutes to try to solve this problem. All right. If it's not solved, me and the boys they were, always were have, going yeah, in. They always have the boys that the are boys already are stacked there. up. Yeah. And yeah. The, 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 we're ready. The, the ticking <laughs> clock is like there's six armed guys like at the door. Yeah, right. Ready. And yeah. the secret surprise is that you don't know is about seven minutes in. I'm going to decide, eh, oh, you know what? Right. That's long enough. That's low. And right before we cut to commercial break. That's low. I'm going <laughs> I'm gonna run right in there and with the boys. And then you're just gonna tear down everything I've built up this exactly. entire time. Ruin everything right. that gonna you've ruin for. it. I worked yeah. so hard to get Raise build the, the trust yeah. of Isaac and the Meerkats. And then you still have to try to figure out how to <sighs> right. talk us down from a now even more intense situation. We've, we've probably so. at this point, like five minutes in. Uh-huh. discovered the camera that Anson promised you would not be put oh, in there. Right? And we're mad about it, yeah. right? That's like, right. Yeah. So the anger level is just Kara's increasing. like, I need 10 minutes, but just promise me you won't yes. do this. And, and then whatever she whatever, asks you, whatever you ask me thing. not to do, that's yeah. the thing I'm going to do in about oh, seven minutes. Oh, man. And so. then I got to try to keep my cool because I'm supposed to be the negotiator here. Yeah, yeah. And clock is ticking. angry. All right, what are you going to do? Okay, we're going to try to de-escalate here. Right. Okay, Isaac, I want you to, to try to identify with the people think about the people on the outside of this enclosure right. think about the little children that are out here watching and the trauma that this is causing sure, them of course and I, I want you to just think about that and yeah. think is this worth it these poor little minds what yeah. they're experiencing here I know them I totally yeah. am with you the meerkats need to be taken care of they need to be heard yeah but is this the way to go about it right can we Take a step back and just mm. talk about this like civilized animals and yeah. humans. Right. Mature meerkats. Mature, Mature meerkats. meerkats and humans. Yeah. yeah. Probably at that point, after a several hour standoff, uh-huh. my interest in the whole thing would probably be waning anyway. Yeah. So I think <laughs> <laughs> I'd be kind of over it. The meerkats like, are getting hungry. We've already yeah. been like way longer than I, just I anticipated. Had to wait you out. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was. But probably seven to ten hours. See, okay. I would probably be like, all right, this is getting old. Okay. I think I'd be more receptive okay, good. to negotiation by and that And if there point. were some chicken nuggets involved yeah. at one time, I'd throw you some nugs. I am personally, and I have to assume oh, this translates. Wait, hold on. I sent in one of my boys no! in the back, and he's stuffing meerkats in a black plastic oh, no! ba- bag. Escalated! <laughs> taking we were them so off. close. So close. You ruined it. Now what? Now it's all over. Now we're gonna be on the news. Isaac just turned around and saw my my guy dressed a, as a meerkat, yeah, like sack of meerkats. <laughs> I was doing a head cut and I was like, wait. We Hang had on. 25. Yeah, this. 10 of the meerkats are missing. <laughs> he just pulled them out the back. A very large uh. meerkat walking out <laughs> bipedally <laughs> holding a sack. Suddenly, Isaac is re-engaged. Oh, my goodness. Javier, you betrayed us. Uh. It's time to yelp the world, where we rate anything because you're dying to know our opinions about everything. Right? This is literally the most exciting thing that I've ever seen. So over the last week or so, I've been engaging in a, an experience that I want to share with you guys and then provide a rating for, <laughs> and that is building a computer. Ooh. So I enjoy a good desktop PC. I'm still oh, yeah. one of these weird people who has a desktop yeah. at home. Yeah, what's that? I just, I really hate laptop keyboards and trackpads ah. and just, I don't know. There's something about a good, solid desktop <laughs> keyboard and mouse that mm. I just, I don't know. 
Uh-huh. A couple monitors. I like having a workstation to sit down at and use. Yes. Oh, yeah. And I usually get a new PC about every like five, six, seven years or so. I make them last for a while. Yeah. yeah. But I also really enjoy building my own. Yeah. Uh, and this is kind of a thing in the like PC enthusiast space and the gaming space, building your own PC. Because yeah. you can get like pre-built desktops, but they tend to be more like budget minded machines. Right. And if you right. really want like a nice fancy workstation like a high performance machine right yeah. you're probably going to end up building your own nice. and i did this like 10 years ago built my own for the first time and really enjoyed it actually had a lot of fun and it really is kind of like putting together a complicated 3d puzzle of yeah. sorts yeah which is weird because i'm on record as being staunchly anti-puzzle yeah i really hate oh, puzzles i yeah. do too but funny. this puzzle lights up and you can play video games on it when you're done. <laughs> that's right. It's so much better. Which automatically makes it way better than <laughs> a puzzle. That's the carrot part of <laughs> right. the carrot and stick equation. Exactly. Yeah. I've never been able to play a video game on a puzzle, mm-hmm. which is probably why I don't like them. That's fair. Yeah. Another really interesting component of this that I learned from this experience is that I think my wife actually might really enjoy doing this too. Oh. Because she is very much like a puzzle person. She likes piecing things together, figuring oh. out a way to build something and put it together. There's also this two word phrase that goes with building a computer and that is cable management is what it's called right so you're putting all these pieces together but then they all have all these cables right Uh uh every component has a cable that connects to the motherboard the like main part of the computer and you can just put all the pieces in there (laughs) plug them all into the ports and just like stuff Stuff the cables in there like a turkey. We call that the Ike method. <laughs> yeah. Now, some cases are really great that you build in because they have this like kind of back, like hidden off part uh-huh. that you can't really see. The and basement. So you, you just stuff all the cables in there. Yeah, literally. Sometimes it's called the basement. The basement. Yeah. That's awesome. You just stuff all the cables in there <laughs> oh my and gosh. no one can see. But this time I built what's called a small form factor PC. Yeah. So it's a very small little guy, yeah. which I like because it's a little more portable. It's not quite this like big, huge monstrosity like yeah. My previous computer was <laughs> the downside is there's a lot less room right for stuffing cables gotcha and if you just stuff them in there any which way they're gonna like get caught in fans and bad things happen oh no and so you actually have to take a lot of care yeah to put all these pieces in in the very right order and uh, <laughs> i tried to do this i did my very best I had talked to my wife on several occasions as I was working on this. I was like, hey, if you want to come help me with this, you can. And she's like, nah, 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 I'm doing other stuff. I don't really care about that. (laughs) And then finally, she comes over when I was like, well, I think I'm about done. She comes and takes a look at it. And she goes like, why did you do this this way? Why why didn't you just run this from here over here and then up to here? And I'm like, oh, Oh. I didn't think about that. (laughs) I'm like, but you know what? Like, I already have it in there. And she's like. No. no, no, there's a better way to do this. We're going to undo this and then redo this and route this through. Oh, that's awesome. And she literally starts just taking it apart. Ah! I was like, wait, I already did it. She's like, no, 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 we got this. Yeah. And she totally, she did it. She like was putting cables in different spots. Oh and like, it gosh. was a much better system that's than so what impressive. I had to So she helped me with it. So that was actually really fun. Yeah. And then here's the final part of this, which I'm kind of curious about your guys' opinion on. Even if you haven't built a computer before, or if you have, I know Isaac, you have, Carrie, you probably uh, haven't I done have this not. before. But I actually think like successful DIYing oh. of most anything. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And you're like, I fixed this thing that was broken. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's actually really, really addicting. It yeah. is. And I didn't really know about this because I grew up in a household where we didn't do DIY stuff. Yeah. Oh. Like that just wasn't my dad's thing. He's good at lots of stuff, but like fixing up things yeah. is not his mm-hmm. thing. 
And so it wasn't really mine either. And I will say this too. We have this thing now called YouTube videos, right? Yes. which has completely changed oh, the game. Oh, yeah. totally. Because you can go find a tutorial for almost anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And back in the day, you couldn't do that. Like no. if you didn't have expertise in that area or you didn't have a friend that did, yeah. you were kind of out of luck. Mm-hmm. But nowadays you can go watch a video for almost anything Oh yeah, and you can try to fix it. Just as a small example, I fixed my garage door. It wouldn't close. Yeah. And it wasn't that complicated, but I found the video that identified the problem. I nice. went out, spent 20 minutes on it got it fixed and i didn't have to spend three hundred dollars uh-huh. calling the garage door guy to uh-huh. come and to come watch the youtube video yeah, that yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's fixed i did it that'll be 300 bucks thank right. you bye right i was like oh that felt so good like uh-huh. fixing this thing have you guys had that experience oh yeah yeah definitely yeah. uh for me it was building a computer from scratch like having the intense moment of Thinking you can do it, and then when all of the individual, <laughs> very expensive little Lego pieces are out in front of you, you're like, uh, oh no. I, I, what this, have I done? I cannot do this. And going from, <laughs> I can never do this, oh my gosh, hyperventilating to, mm. oh, this thing works. It's one of those, maybe I'm not as dumb as I thought I was right. kind of moments. Oh, yeah. oh I'm a smart that's, lad. That's a nice little shot of adrenaline yeah. and good, so cool. good feeling juice. It's yeah. Good. My husband is way better at all this, I'll say, than I am as far as like with mechanics and like right. remodeling and all that kind of stuff. But I got into this as far as like making DIY decor and mm. like cheating and mm-hmm. finding ways to make things look cool yeah. and look more expensive than they actually are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that has been addicting for me. Looking yeah. at something on Pinterest, whether it's hand lettering or a, a painting or whatever, and being like, I could do that. Right. Or like there's a local place here that makes a really good pie. Mm-hmm. It's an Amish place that makes a peanut butter pie. And ah, I remember one yes. time eating that and being like, I can figure this out. I can make yeah. this. And yes. granted, I found a recipe. I can which reverse helps. engineer this. Yeah. Right. But like I did. Like I did it and it was awesome. so satisfying. So I totally understand. Yeah, 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 I think at the core, it's like just problem solving, right? Yeah. Like there's a problem. And when you figure out a solution to that problem, yeah. uh-huh. that feels really good. It does. Conversely, <laughs> yes, when you fail yes. to fix that problem feels, and you run up against a brick wall repeatedly, it yeah. feels terrible. There's nothing in the world more frustrating. That right. is very and so true. That first moment. Where you press the power button. Yes. And you wait for it all to light up and come on. That's a very nervous moment. Yeah. Right. No kidding. It's like, all right, did it work? Did I forget something? Did mm-hmm. I put it all back together the way it was supposed <laughs> to go? The first time you do this, anyone who knows anything about building a computer has probably done this. Mm-hmm. You press the button and like nothing, nothing happens. happens. Yeah. Oh. And then you go, oh, I forgot to turn on the power switch on the back. Like or <laughs> make sure the cord is plugged yeah. in. <laughs> so you do that and you go, oh, OK, false alarm. It's, it's fine. OK. Everything's you fine. You press the button again and it all lights up and everything's looking good. And you look over at the monitor and you're waiting for it to pop up with, you know, the, the boot screen. <laughs> and you're waiting mm-hmm. and you're waiting. Still waiting. <laughs> and there's nothing Then you kind of lean over and look at the motherboard and there's a little orange LED that's on. And you Uh feel your chest heating up. And you go, oh no. (gasps) There's some sort of error that's preventing it from booting. What is it? Yep. So then you go on a Google YouTube ramp page to try to find all the answers. And I'll skip all of that to say it was about two o'clock in the morning. No. And I had spent about two hours trying to figure this out. Started around midnight was when I actually turned it on. I was like, oh, I'm about to go to bed. Right. Oh, I'll just no. turn it on and make sure it works. And Terrible then idea. it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Two hours later, I've 
flashed the BIOS and I've replaced parts. I've done all this stuff. And oh my goodness. Still haven't figured out what's wrong. Yep. And finally, <laughs> I, no one else was awake, but I said out loud some mean words. <laughs> to the computer yep. and was like whatever i'm just going to bed yeah like, so i went to bed i laid in bed for an hour thinking about how my computer wasn't working oh we're no three, we're at 3 a.m now. right oh, finally gosh. fall asleep wake back up the next morning an hour before my alarm goes off oh gosh and like wake up out of a dead sleep and go my computer's still broken <laughs> <laughs> just instant anger yeah right <laughs> i should try to go back to sleep and get some more sleep nope not nope. happening nope. no nope. gonna get up gonna go try oh, to figure it out gosh. eventually figured out that there's uh this part of the computer it's called the ram and yes. there's these two RAM sticks that go into the motherboard. Luckily, it's one of the easier parts to get out of yeah. the computer That's and eventually determined through a series of tests that one of them was bad. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't. It was faulty, which <laughs> means I now have to send it back and get a replacement because I ordered it online and that's yeah. going to take like two weeks. And oh, so my computer man. still isn't complete because i'm waiting on this thing so all of that was really frustrating yeah it's funny to me that there's these high highs when it comes to solving Uh, a problem or diying something when it all works ah no better feeling yeah and then when it all doesn't work yeah and you bang your head against the wall Mm -mm. no worse feeling because it's you it's you're the reason it works or doesn't work right that's how it feels anyway there's no other person there that's like you can blame it's it's all on you so to put a cap on it i think i would give building a pc four out of five stars nice Because all in all it's an activity i really like i really enjoy yeah and there is a lot of satisfaction that comes out of kind of a you know job well done yeah. But it feels like there's always something yes. that goes wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And you end up tearing your hair out and you go like, I shouldn't have even done this in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. Yeah. And then you finally figure it out and get it back together and you go, oh, that was great. I should that do that it. again. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> Build a Badger, the company that's brought millions of newly, partially domesticated badgers to the homes of Americans, is now running a special offer. If you order by the end of this episode, we'll include our new tranquilizer blowgun for those annoying visits to the vet, our specialized formula. Borrowed from African big game hunters will knock your badger out for a minimum of five to ten minutes. More than enough time to get in the car. Dad, I think Bilbo Badger's waking up. Act now, and we'll include the special dinnertime feeding pole. When it's dinner time, keep you and your loved ones out of harm's way. Our 39 and a half foot feeding pole is perfect for letting your badger eat in peace. Look, he loves it. Plus one, a part of the show where we learn from others because we need all the help we can get the whole pleasure of being a human is in being stupid but learning to be less stupid together yes now it is time for plus one and we are really excited today to have another special guest on the show we have scott thompson who is the director of database management for john brown university broadcasting we're really excited to have scott join us today because we're going to be talking about faith and work and how those two things intersect scott has a lot of experience with a number of different jobs and working in different environments we're excited to get his perspective today welcome to the really real podcast thank you it's great to be here I'm wondering if we could just start by you introducing yourself. Tell us just a little bit about you and your family. And since we're talking about work today, maybe just a brief mention, too, of your work experience and and even maybe what you do here at the station. Sure. Grew up in Texas. I moved to Arkansas in 1990 to take a job with a large retailer in this area. I'm married to a lady named Cindy and have been married to her for about 37 years. We have four children. All of them are grown and up and gone and 
productive citizens. None of them are in jail. (laughs) (laughs) Is that kind of the baseline? (laughs) We we, we consider that a win. Yeah. (laughs) My post-college career has been in the area of data processing, a variety of roles in a variety of companies. And I got to KLRC in 2016. So it's been about five years. Yeah. And we are really happy to have you here. Mm-hmm. You're a great part of the team. So I'm happy to be here. <laughs> and we can rope you into things like this. Even better. Is this your first podcast appearance in your career? It's my first extended podcast appearance. Okay. I've probably had a, a one-liner. In yeah. A couple of other you know, things. I think we've had your voice on before That's for probably, a couple different yeah. things. So yeah. your voice sounds familiar. Now you can meet the man behind the voice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you this, Scott. You mentioned your post-college career. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's kind of two camps of people. There's those people in school that are like, I know exactly what I want to do. I'm going to study this thing and I'm going to get into this field and this is what I'm going to do. I I know this is what God's called me to, at least at that point in their lives, they feel pretty confident about it. And then there's the other group of people that goes like, I got to pick a degree. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'll try that one. Mm -hmm. Um, Or they pick their degree and they feel really excited about that. And then they get out and either maybe they can't find a job in that field or they realize, man, this actually isn't what I wanted to do. Yeah. So when you were first starting out in your career, what camp were you in? Were you pretty confident and like, this is what I want to do with my life as it revolves around my career? Or were you a little more open-ended on that question? Uh, Good question. I started out, like a lot of people, with an undeclared major. Then I was an accounting major, and I found accounting to be excessively boring for me. (laughs) Okay. No offense to any accountants out there. It's a fascinating and necessary line of work, but I, I... I couldn't do it. It wasn't for you. It was not. So I shifted over to computer information systems. So when I came out and my first job was uh, with Texas Instruments in the Dallas area, and I got there and I was completely lost. Mm. Mm. My first assignment at TI was uh, to finish a program that was dropped on my desk that was supposedly 80% done. <laughs> by uh, an individual that had left the company six months earlier and had been sitting on the shelf okay. since then. So that was my job. And and uh, I'm not prepared to comment on what percentage <laughs> <laughs> that particular program was, but I got into it and, well, I was, I was questioning, is my degree worth anything? Mm. Mm. Because I got into this thing and it was like, this is like, Japanese. Just fell in way over your head. Yeah. I I got thrown into the deep end of the Mm. pool. Very much so. I lasted six months Mm. on that job. Wow. And I left that job going, did I make a huge mistake? Mm. Mm. Am I going to be able to make a living and support a family? Wow. In this line of work. Mm. Were you single at that point or married yet? No, I was married. Cindy and I graduated. Three weeks later, we got married and yeah. a week after that, we moved into an apartment and I started that job. Six months being married, leaving That's, the job, that had to have been hard and scary, right? I'm going to tell you what, I'm real fortunate that I'm married to a very patient, long-suffering woman. <laughs> when you're going to a job every day that you feel just in over your head, yeah, you feel inept, you're questioning your own competence and you're frustrated. Mm. And you're a newlywed mm-hmm. <laughs> coming home every night. I was mad. I was mean. I just was not pleasant to be around. Yeah. And she was so caring and yeah. so understanding through that and so supportive through that. But yeah, I, I, I couldn't stay there. I had to get out. 
So once you got out, you're questioning your life choices, which well, sounds dramatic, but this is kind of mm-hmm. where you were. Yeah, yeah. So where do you go from there? It became a question of, am I going to let this failure, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. define me? Or am I going to look at it as it's an experience mm-hmm. and you, you take it for what it is, you move on to the next thing. And so I knew that there were things that I knew I had made good grades. I knew I was capable of, of doing the work if mm-hmm. I was in the right environment. So the next job was a uh, much smaller company, it was a, a privately held oil company in downtown Dallas, had a real good team that I was associated with, and they invested heavily in me. And mm. uh, I was able to uh, turn things around and start making a almost a sigh of relief. Okay, this is going to work. I can make this happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You learned about the importance of being in the right environment, it sounds like, and and fit. For sure. Yeah. For sure. The other thing that I learned, and it didn't really dawn on me at the time, but looking back, every assignment that I've ever had, every job that I've ever had, every role that I've ever played within a company that I've worked for had value. Mm. Even when I knew that it was a temporary gig, Mm. even when I knew this is not what I want to do for the rest of my time at this company or the rest of my life or the rest of my career or what have you, every assignment that I had, I was able to look back on it and go, you know, that was a tough gig, but here were my takeaways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I learned to deal with this or that, or these kind of people or this kind of a situation or negotiate this type of a outcome or what, whatever it might've been. Yeah. That was valuable. And as the years kind of started to roll by, it became very evident that even when I didn't know what was going on, God knew what was going on. Mm. And he was putting me in various assignments, various roles, various companies to pick up specific skill sets, mm. yeah, uh, things that he would use later on in my next assignment or in kingdom work. Mm. You think about Moses, first 40 years of his life, he's living in the palace, essentially, and getting educated in the Egyptian culture and history and management and finances and Mm. all that, right? Mm -hmm. He's ready to take on the world at age 40. Things don't quite go his way. (laughs) He spends the next 40 years of his life herding sheep, right? Career change. He he thinks he's... (laughs) Career change. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And as as, as far as his role as a Hebrew leading the people of God... He thinks he's done. Mm. Mm. When he goes to Midian, he's yeah. not planning on going back. It's not a like climbing the ladder kind of move. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't even a lateral move. It yeah. was, yeah. you know, God meets him at the burning bush at age 80. And, and Moses is like, I ain't your guy. Mm. I may have been at one time. Right. Mm. But I'm not that guy. Mm. And God essentially tells Moses, hey, everything that you've done to this point in your life has mm. prepared you for the job that I've got for you now. Mm-hmm. Who better to lead my people and negotiate with the Pharaoh than a guy who knows all the back doors and all the yeah all the policies, all the people, all the players? Mm-hmm. Who better to get my people out of there and get them across the desert than a guy that's been trying to lead sheep for the last forty years? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. I, I have prepared you for this point, Moses. Mm-hmm. You don't realize that, but everything that I've done with you up to this point. Yeah has prepared you for this exact assignment. That's so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and looking back on my life, I mean, nothing as dramatic as Moses, obviously. But along the way, I can name managers that I didn't care for, projects that I wasn't fully on board with. All those things played into something that would serve me mm. 
later on and help me to be better at something. I love that top-down perspective because that means that everything is significant, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's a lot of people who view this concept of stepping stone jobs, or it feels like right now the idea is that you're wasting your time at this job, get Mm -hmm. to where you need to get. Like there's a finish line where you can start being happy or trying to get to the next thing. Yeah. Or feel Mm -hmm. like you're starting, you've got to reach a place before you're starting to make a difference or have a good Mm -hmm. life, quote unquote. That's not the case. God doesn't waste anything. Mm. Even if I'm sitting there going, what are we doing? Mm. Why, why am I here? What, what's the point of this? I may not understand it. Moses didn't understand why he was hanging out for 40 years with a bunch of livestock. I mean, <laughs> right. you know, but God knew that knowing the desert and trying to lead obstinate sheep yeah. <laughs> yeah. was going to be something that would serve him well. <laughs> sure. Yeah. 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 Wow. Jumping back into your story, yep. you went from working for a very large company in Texas Instruments to a small company. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned at the outset of the show, you worked for a large retailer here in Arkansas. And that's what brought you up to Arkansas. Yeah. My brother, he had been here a few years and he kept telling me, hey, you need to come check this out. And we'd been up here to visit him a few times and loved the area. And I kept telling my brother, I was like, dude, I, I have a job. You know, I, I don't need a job. I've got a job. Mm-hmm. And then when I talked to them, it's like I was almost insulted by their offer. I was very prideful at the time, not to say that I'm totally devoid of that <laughs> at this point in my life, but but I was not going to make the move for a cut and pay. That's where my head was at. So we kind of let it lay. And about a year and a half later, they called me back and they said, hey, we really would like for you to come. We'll match what you're doing now. So when you came to this new corporate job, Did you find meaning in it immediately? Were you like, okay, this is kind of like the perspective you were talking about. All of these jobs are preparing me for something. Did Mm. you have that perspective then? Or did you ever struggle to find meaning in your corporate job? Initially, the meaning that I found in my corporate job was uh, being a good provider. Yes. Mm. And yes, I, I enjoyed the work. I found the work challenging. I found the work usually fun. Yeah. But my identity at that point was doing the best that I could in the job that I was in so that I could maximize uh, my earnings mm-hmm. and take good care of my family. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And as time went by, because I was in that, I worked for that company for 25 years. Mm-hmm. But I would tell you that my identity over time in that company, in that environment, I wanted to be appreciated by my family as a provider. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be appreciated by my coworkers as competent. Mm. Nothing necessarily wrong with that. Either of those things, being a provider or being known as a, as a competent person. Frankly, I think Christians should be very, very good at their jobs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. When they are not, then I just assume they didn't let it be known that they're Christians. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, be that as it may, my identity was very much tied into, into mm. those things. In October of 2015, I had been with that company for 25 years in a variety of roles. My title was a senior manager. I was, had people responsibilities. And I was at a point where the combination of my salary, my stock options, and my vacation that I had accrued made me an expensive asset. Mm. If you were talking in sports terms, <laughs> I'd be a salary cap cut. Yeah. Mm. Uh, in the same day that, that I was let go, about 500 of us were. Mm. So you applied yourself, it sounds like, 
110% to this job throughout your entire career there. You made yourself a valuable asset. So it's almost as if working as hard as you did, it feels like this backwards thing where you made yourself so valuable and they just decided, well, you've done everything we've asked you to, (laughs) but too well, so we can't keep you now. (laughs) That has to be a really bizarre thing to experience, especially when I've just heard you say like, this was effectively like my identity. I was sad. I was angry. I was upset. In my more contemplative moments, I was able to step back and say, you know what? This company gave me a roof over my head and food on my table Mm. and a really nice community in which to raise my children for 25 years. I can be angry and bitter about the way that it ended. Certainly, I would have preferred to go out on my own terms. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or I can be grateful for what I did get. I learned skill sets within uh, that 25 years. I made friendships and relationships that are uh, amazing. Another thing that I was able to do, particularly in that people management role, was to speak into people's lives. Mm. I know about your projects. I know about your assignments. I know what you're working on. Tell me about you. Mm. Yeah. What was amazing was the things that they would tell you and how I was able to, as a Christian, uh, to speak into those situations. But yeah, when we left that, I thought that I would be back at work within six weeks. And I was dreaming of what I would do with my severance payout Mm -hmm. because I wasn't going to be out of work for very long. You know, I brought this impressive resume and threw it out there and I threw it out there 225 times. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Wow. And I was out of work for a year. And what I did with that severance was paid the bills. So very humbling. How did that season change your faith, your relationship with God. Did you feel abandoned? Did you feel like, what the heck? (laughs) I did. I felt like, what the heck? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No. And I had to come to grips with my identity. Yeah. You know, I I mentioned my identity. Yeah. Provider, competent, professional. For a year, I was none of those things. Mm. None of those things. And that was one of my ahas during that season. I had placed so much of my identity in what I did for a living, Mm -hmm. what my job was, and my reputation within that job and that role. Sure. One of the things that God taught me in that season was your identity has zero to do with your profession or what you do for a living. Mm. You will have opportunities to serve me in that job, but that's not who you are. Mm. Mm -hmm. You're mine. You're mine. That was tough. You get to a point where I'm watching the bank account. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a finite number. It's a real thing. Yeah. You've cut out everything that you can cut out. Mm. You're down to the bare essentials and you're going, do I need to put this house on the market before my mortgage is foreclosed? Mm. I mean, mean, (laughs) you're doing the math and you're going, okay, how long is my runway? Me and God at that point, I was angry. With God. Yeah. And my rationale went something like this. God, I am doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing. I've been faithful to you throughout this process. I'm spending my quiet time with you. I'm putting in the hours. I'm putting in the effort. I'm putting in the applications. I'm doing the interviews. I I was looking at God. I was going, 
I'm doing the stuff. Right. Yeah. When are you going to do your stuff? You're you're following you're <laughs> yeah. following the rules. Right. You're, you're I, following the rules that you're supposed to. Yeah. And, and y'all, I'll never forget it. The day this happened, I didn't hear this audibly, but in my spirit, I heard the Holy Spirit laugh at me. <laughs> When I asked that question, I'm doing my stuff. When are you going to do your stuff? And the Holy Spirit laughed at me. And what he said was, look, I've got a plan. It's bigger than your plan. I'm going to take care of you. When the time is right, I will take care of what needs to be taken care of. And one of the things that you have to learn is who I am. And this does not depend on you. Mm. And if I have to take you out of this house and put you in a cardboard box under the overpass to help you realize that none of this stuff matters, then that's what we'll do. Mm. Scott, is that what you want to do, Scott? Because <laughs> we can do that. We can make that happen. Oh my goodness. Mm. It's funny how, as I listen to you tell this, the very thing that we're telling God, I'm doing all of my stuff, is the thing that he's going, yeah, I know. That's the problem, <laughs> right? Like uh, our yeah. explanation, our yeah. like plea, hey, I'm doing all the right things. And he's going, yeah, exactly. Stop it. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Let me do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oof. And that's, that day was a turning point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Turning point number one was getting past the anger and understanding. Sure. You know, that piece of it. Being grateful for the time that I'd had mm-hmm. rather than being angry about the way that it ended. Turning point number two was as the bank account is winding down mm-hmm. and I'm questioning God, him giving me that answer. Sure. Mm-hmm. And saying, if you will just shut up yeah, and let me do my thing and trust me with that, quit questioning, quit trying so hard. Just the huge weight yeah. had been lifted off my shoulders. I don't think you can overestimate how important that perspective shift was for you. Yeah. It was right? huge. So it's going on a year. About August of 2016, my wife and my daughter heard on KRC an ad that said, hey, we're looking for help. Mm -hmm. We have an opening in our our data processing area and we need somebody to manage our data. And I would tell you guys, had that announcement come in the first couple of months that I was out of work, I would not even have considered it. Mm -hmm. And here's why. This is a nonprofit. Yeah. You're not going to get rich doing no doing work for KLRC. <laughs> I love it now, and I know I love it now, and I, I, I'll get to that in a minute. But, um, <laughs> but if I had had that opportunity mm-hmm. in the first two to three months that I was out of work, I would have gone, nope. You weren't right. ready. Well, let's no. go back to your identity that yeah. you just talked about, yeah. right? Yeah. Provider. Mm-hmm. Competent, mm-hmm. Yeah. leading people. So much of your identity was wrapped up in your career. And in right. so many ways, showing up to a small team of eight, 10 people at a nonprofit and taking what I imagine was probably a giant pay cut from what you were used to, mm-hmm. that doesn't check those identity boxes. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. going in the opposite direction. It's exactly. kind of like we were talking about with Moses. Yeah. yeah. It's not even a lateral move, right? Right. right. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you what, after you've been at work for 10 or 11 months. <laughs> it does yeah. feel like a step And up. you're staring down the barrel of foreclosure <laughs> on my, and having to leave my house, not, not on my terms. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It really was like a stripping away of all of that identity mm-hmm. that made this possible. Mm-hmm. And so I got here uh, for the interview and Anson grilled me. 
That's what I remember about my That's interview That's hilarious. Process. I don't remember yeah. that. Uh, everybody I hear that a cool. lot. No, I'm just kidding. You everybody are kind of, yeah. Everybody was pretty cool, and, and everybody was uh, was very welcoming and very friendly. Yeah. They had Except. questions Except how, I, how I would handle this and how I would do that and what my thoughts were on thus and so and, and yeah. all that. And Anson was focused in on, you have been in this position doing this job mm-hmm. at this rate of pay, what makes you think uh, you could step into this and be satisfied? Wow. I don't remember, but that, he but said, that's pretty. He said, I don't see you lasting more than six months in this job. And not because you can't do the job, but because you will become bored with this job. Mm. Wow. I don't know if I said it quite that strongly. <laughs> Scott has a very authoritative <laughs> tone have. to his voice. So hearing a quote from you, Anson even would, if it's approximation, it has a lot more like gravitas to that's it. That's true. No, I it's do scary. actually. I do remember asking Scott some hard questions yeah. in yeah, that interview. That's fair. I don't know if I said it as a statement, but I definitely asked it as a question, <laughs> right? Because I I recognize those things in myself. Mm-hmm. I took a little bit of a different path to get here mm-hmm. in the sense that I I started out mm-hmm. here, right? But that was not what I thought I was going to do. Right. I'm here and I've been here for over a decade, not because that was my aspiration, Mm -hmm. but because God had to change some of the things that I aspired to. And I realized that working at a place with people that I love to work with, doing a job that I love to do, living in a place that I love to live in, and ultimately, more important than all of that, doing what God has called me to Mm -hmm. is more aspirational than moving up the ladder, cashing a bigger check. It took me a while Mm -hmm. for that to get pounded into my head. And the spirit had to do that for a long, long time before I really accepted it. I don't know that it was necessarily anything I perceived about you in that meeting or like I just I had those questions weighing on my mind because it was like I recognize that I knew that if I were you Mm -hmm. and that I was coming into the situation that you were coming into that with non-lateral move that you had. Yeah. yeah. I knew where my head would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I was like, Hey, not necessarily even for us, but for you, I get, you've been out of work for a long time. You're looking, I would think at this point, you're just looking for anything that'll give you a paycheck. Mm-hmm. But is this it? Is this right. really right. where God has been guiding you to? Mm-hmm. Maybe it is. Yeah. And, and I'm glad yeah. I didn't scare you off. No, no, it, <laughs> the questions were valid and mm-hmm. they were very fair. They spoke to exactly where God had been leading me. Yeah. Through, yeah. Which was pretty cool, actually. Well, I I think this is going to be a really difficult question to answer. So I apologize in advance for giving you this. (laughs) You've told us so much of your story, and I'm sure there are parts of the story that are going to really resonate Mm -hmm. with different people who have experienced similar things. Mm -hmm. Um, And you've already dropped some really great nuggets of wisdom along the way as well. As you sit here and reflect on the totality of that Mm -hmm. story, what is your kind of just overriding takeaway from the story that God has written in your life? Mm. And yeah, what would you say to others who find themselves in, in maybe similar situations to what you've walked through? I'm going to answer that. But first, I'm going to tell you this one last little tidbit. The first paycheck from KLRC came the day after I had exhausted the last of my severance package <laughs> no way. and wow. made the last mortgage payment that I was going to be able to make out of that. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. No kidding. So just (laughs) maybe that plays into what I want to say as as a wrap up. Yeah. Our identity is in Christ and we belong to God and God takes care of his own. And it may not always be in the way that I want it or in the timing 
that I expected, but he is faithful and he is true and he doesn't waste anything. Mm. When I was describing the interaction that I had with God, he said, even if we do end up in a box under the overpass, you will still be mine Mm. and I'll be right there with you. That's bigger than an occupation. That's bigger than a job. That's bigger than a paycheck is knowing who I belong to. Well, that brings us to the end of our podcast episode for today. And instead of drawing a blank on how to finish our podcast, we're going to fill one in. Here's our fill in the blank for today. When I arrive at the office each morning moving forward or at my computer at home, if you're working remotely still, Mm -hmm. one thing I want to do differently is blank. Mm. Carol, let's start with you. I think rather than jumping straight into work, which is what I usually do, full speed ahead and looking at the checklist and going all out, taking a minute to pause and acknowledge no matter what happens today, what I accomplish or don't accomplish, my identity is secure. I belong Mm. to Christ. I am his. And that's the final word at the end of this day. Yeah. And Scott summed that up so well. Yeah, he did. Mm. For me, I think it's just be aware and recognize that it matters. You can have days where you walk in and you're not as busy as you can normally be. And it just feels almost like a throwaway day where Mm. it's like, okay, this is a random Thursday, right? I Mm. think that taking stock and knowing that each day matters, not just going on autopilot. I think for me, I would build off of what Kara said about identity. Yeah. I want to be aware of my own identity pitfalls. Mm. One of the things that tempt me personally in terms of where I want to place my identity, mm-hmm. like for some people, it might be money. For some people, it might be notoriety yeah. or competence or mm-hmm. peacemaking. There's all sorts of different things. For me, I think it really tends to be about notoriety and recognition for my work. Yeah knowing that that's the thing that really gets me going. If I'm aware of that, I can also be aware of when I'm struggling and why I'm struggling. Like, Mm. oh, you know what? I think I'm having a bad day or a bad week or a bad month because I'm placing a lot of emphasis on this thing and it's not being fulfilled. My expectations aren't being met. And that's a reminder to recenter my identity on Mm. Jesus, like Kara was talking about. Yeah. But I think the first step of that for me is recognizing where I get off track yep. so that I can get back on. It's yeah. good. Holy. All right. It's time to go to rugby practice. So let's do it. <laughs> Suit up. I gotta go get my helmet. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Really Real Podcast. We hope that this podcast has helped you get through your least favorite household chores, especially cleaning that toilet. That's the worst. Get more content or air your grievances in the Real FM Facebook group at real.fm slash insiders. Tune in next time to hear Anson, Kara, and Isaac say... <laughs> There's no helmets in rugby. Oh, that's even better. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> I successfully ruined the sports ball reference. <laughs> <laughs>